1: now back to on point with alex pearson on global news radio
2: 818 on this wednesday good to have you with us time for counterpoint today we bring in jeremy richler toronto area corporate lawyer also a political junkie and jill colton media personality youtuber soon to be mommy hi guys (laughs) Hi! Hi! Uh, hi! All right. So I, I sat down with Doug Ford, as you as you heard, and look, he was vague on details on the platform, but he did say on a couple of key issues that have kind of plagued the party um when it comes to sex ed that he would, in fact, consult with parents, and he would cancel the carbon tax, but he would keep most of the platform. And and I've always said that the media and the elites can laugh all they want but they should not discount the people and the grassroots that will resonate with that. The fact that he is willing to cancel the carbon tax, I think a lot of people will be happy. Uh, Jill.
0: That's right. It sounds like he's uh, appealing to both fiscal and social conservatives. I've talked to quite a bit of people and it seems that they would vote in droves for Doug Ford, no matter what you think of Doug Ford. I mean, if he's preaching the message that taxpayers care about, that's really all that matters. The only issue here is the elites of the party do not want Doug Ford. I mean, it's, It's not even up for debate. They want Carolyn uh, Mulroney or they want Phillips. These people are establishment candidates. That's who they want. Unfortunately, that is completely the antithesis of what taxpayers would want.
2: Yeah, I mean, he'll have trouble selling himself in uh, Toronto. uh, But outside of Toronto, I think there will be a lot of people that could say, you know what, I'll get behind it because I'm sick of sick of tired of seeing what I'm seeing. But look, last year. You know, up until last week, Jeremy, you were actually fairly comfortable as a liberal with the People's Guarantee. I have to think that you're not so comfortable now.
3: Well, I think that um, there's electoral advantage to tacking closer to the center. Now, there's no question that Doug Ford and his uh, populist uh, right-wing agenda does appeal to, you know, a pretty sizable chunk of the electorate. But I don't think it's enough of the electorate to get him over the top. And there's a lot of resistance to that, even among not all, but parts of... uh, the the Progressive Conservative Party. So, I mean, I do think, certainly he galvanizes a lot of people, but he has indicated recently, and I mean, with with a track record there, that he wanted to run for mayor of Toronto and he was going to do... And now, you know, he sees an opening, so he's abandoning that to say that he's going to run to be premier. It looks overly opportunistic. Let me
2: stop you right there, because I'm going to ask you this. John Tory ran both provincially and municipally, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He lost... And won, and lost, and won. He didn't exactly come in one time. But not in a
3: matter of weeks. I mean, the thing is, over the last well, ten, over hour, qu-
2: ten years. And he also, ran John probably Tory has
3: a set of policies which I know you, you probably don't like, but that appeal to a large uh, segment of the electorate because well, I, in the I, I don't like He's, the, he's kind of dithers, he's fiscally conservative and socially progressive, which has a lot of appeal <laughs> to not, not to everyone, but to a lot of people that are voting. They they want their tax dollars managed responsibly, but they want somebody who's going to have an inclusive uh, view on on issues of identity on the environment they go hand in hand they're not mutually right, exclusive but, but,
2: but what i'm saying is he he was given a free pass on the number of times he ran and, and yet it, it, for some reason it's not okay for doug ford
0: yeah, I think it's because we're going to see the parallels from the media. They're going to slam Doug Ford as Donald Trump candidate. of the oh, for sure they will. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that they would want somebody who appeals to the party more from an establishment perspective. They don't want somebody so rowdy, somebody they can't control, somebody they don't know uh, what is he going to say next sort of thing. But the thing is, yeah. a lot of people are tired of lifelong bureaucrats. They are tired of those t- kind of candidates running the party. Look at what the liberals have done with the lifelong bureaucrats. People want a change. You but know, but
3: you can. The, the thing is, what this underscores to me is the left-right axis is really changing. Since the war, we've really looked at it in terms of economic issues. Back in the day, when when communism was a threat, and the divides were really on how the extent of involvement in society. With conservatives obviously wanting less in the economy, and the liberals, you know, wanting a more activist government. There's been so much of a convergence there. I mean, you know, people on the right will keep, uh, you know, health care program and basic social programs, and uh, part. Parties of the left have cut corporate taxes and have cut income taxes, but this elite institute, the, uh, you, on the one hand, the divide between the institutionalists, I'd call them, and the populists, I think that's where the fault lines are now, and I think those fault lines exist pretty within the Conservative Party, and that's playing out, but I think it's terrible for the party that they're yeah. being exposed like this right now.
2: Yeah, I, I question why they would come out and and, and basically accuse themselves of corruption. I, I I don't even understand that strategy, but... Maybe they know something that I don't. Um, I want to play you uh, a it's kind of the second chapter, twentieth chapter of this intern PC leader. You know, calling his ethics into into question, um, talking about rooting out the rot. I mean, we've been talking about this on this program now for the last week. Alex Nuttall, a Conservative MP, came out swinging in Ottawa today, basically kind of firming up what I have been arguing, that this was an inside job and the execs are trying to take the party from the grassroots. Take a listen to what he said.
1: According to my constituents, this, in fact, was an inside job, what transpired over the past week. Within 48 hours of the events, we had 28 elites whose writings represent less than 1% try to appoint the next premier. They did this without the moral authority that can only be granted, that can only be granted by the membership of the PC party of Ontario. Folks, I have a message for the Toronto elites, and it is this, that the conservative movement should never and can never define people by their race, by their faith, by what region of the world that they come from, by their first or last name. That the elites in Toronto need to stop making decisions in their own best interest to seek power and start making decisions in the best interest of the people of Ontario. And the best interest of the people of Ontario is a strong and united PC party, not one that is turning on itself in the public daily. Thank you. Hope you have
2: a great day. It's pretty staggering, I think, uh, to hear a conservative swinging back. I mean, look, he's not happy, clearly, with what he's hearing, but I, I don't know too many right now who are, other than those working at a Queen's Park.
3: You know, they say when you're in a hole, quit digging. That's what he's doing. He's just, it's going down. Well, no, no, no. By he, the he's a federal
2: conservative MP saying, you're the problem at Queen's Park. And that he's essentially calling them on this. But the,
3: it, the last thing the party needs right now, you want to have these arguments behind closed doors, go nuts. But as a party, to be airing this out in public, I mean, this is so detrimental to the Conservative Party. If I were him, I'd tell him, you know, if I were advising him, I'd say, just keep your mouth shut. You can go (laughs) to all the parties that you want (laughs) and tell your friends how angry you are. But in public, (laughs) I'm telling you, Kathleen Wynne is looking at that and she's probably ecstatic. Are you kidding? Kathleen right now
2: is in a bathtub full of scotch, bobbing for ice cubes made of vodka, having a party. She is loving this. Of course, she should be celebrating because the party party is imploding for everyone to see but Jeremy this is what conservatives do they shoot each other they don't they don't do that
0: well, so liberals
3: have been known to do that too. no you well <laughs> yeah, anyway
2: perhaps
0: we should have more of a collectivist mind frame I know that that kind of goes against what conservatives <laughs> yeah, believe know, in but we air
2: our dirty laundry for everyone to see and it's going to cost them
0: yeah no I agree and I have talked to some people and principle wise you go well can I really vote for this party I don't know. We were shaking our head, thinking, "Wow, that was an inside job potentially." I mean, they threw their leader under the bus. Now they're telling us about it. They're airing their dirty laundry. We know that the grassroots wants an opportunity to potentially vote for Ro- or for Doug Ford, rather. And again, we have establishment candidates that you know that they want in there. I
2: will tell you, they are an impressive group of ca- look. Carol Mulrooney is a very impressive person. Rod Phillips, a very impressive uh, person. So they do have a choice. The problem is. Right now, it's just so unbelievably... like, honestly, I've just never seen anything like it. I just can't get behind it. And so, look, I mean, I'm sure I'm not making any friends, but I've got to speak to the truth.
3: And I really respect the fact that you're, you know, speaking true to, to what you believe, because, you know, politics is obviously there's a game element and it's about messaging. But I mean, the thing is, with Carolyn Mulroney and Rod Phillips, who are like, as a liberal and as somebody who's in, you know, the relative center of the political spectrum, yeah, they seem like appealing candidates, but none of them have done any time in political office. That might actually Why be a, a good, a good thing. Even, but, yeah, no, that's, no, that's a good thing. I gotta be honest, that might yeah. be a good That's thing. a good thing. Uh, but to run a party, you look, Mike Harris in 1990 ran and he finished in third because he was a very new leader and he was an experience. Five years later, he was the premier of Ontario and people thought he was a golf guy from North Bay and he was a force to be reckoned with. So oh, God. you need some experience now. like to, I would to, put do to have who's never... that
2: man back in charge right now. Yeah. But <laughs> that's just another lifetime ago. All right. 828. We've got to take a, a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I will ask you, should religious doctors in the province have to provide access to assisted suicide? That is a court decision that just came down today. We'll talk about that next. I'm Alex Pearson. You are listening here on Point to Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Ooh, great to have you back here, 832. I don't know if you remember this, but Bev Oda got canned over a a $16 orange juice, and now we're learning that federal politicians have access to limitless amounts of booze on government flights. Maybe that's why, Hill is rife with sexual harassment uh, but during um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's week-long official trip to China last December more than 2200 worth of alcohol was consumed 121 bottles of wine and 241 cans of beer look I don't mind people drinking I'm happy to you know a few drinks grape is this excessive
3: well I mean I'd want to know what was consumed like on an, indiv- on an individual basis to see how it was distributed. But that being said, I think, you know, drinking should be done in moderation. I don't like the idea of politicians. You know, they're going on the taxpayer's dime. And, I mean, also, one does uh, become inebriated more quickly when 35,000 feet above the ground. But never mind that, it's just... You know, there's a problem already on Parliament Hill and at Queen's Park and in all political uh, levels of alco- excess alcohol use it's just readily available it's a social lubricant so I think you know never mind that it's not necessarily right to the taxpayer and you bring up the bevoda example it's just not good for people's health you want to have I don't care you know, about their health yeah, yeah their health want, I just like I care well, about my well, money <laughs> well, well, well I'm saying I'm just saying <laughs> why do I care about their health do they want to kill bad their liver As professional <laughs> as people that are representing Canadians across the country yeah I think it's something that should be done in moderation and not to excess and yeah, this is something that certainly wouldn't keep me up at night, but it's cause for concern.
0: Now, why are we paying for their alcohol at all? Is
2: my question.
0: I don't
3: like a couple 000? of drinks? No, I, mean, I have not...
0: no. I have a huge problem with it. I would, it would morally... like to know if
2: it's Cavassier or like what are they drinking? Are they drinking the black label? Sc- are they drinking the like the real heady, no,
0: expensive stuff? To like, what me, are they I mean, the cost of alcohol, especially in this province, is exceptional compared to America. And then you think to yourself, well, I'm funding their drinking issues. Like I don't think so. It's morally repugnant to me that I'm paying for any of it.
3: Well, there are certain perks, unfortunately, that come with politics. And but why? No, and people don't, people are disgusted by it. That's why Bevota. But, but,
2: but getting back to like the comment I said, kind of jokingly, I mean, Bevota got canned over a sixteen dollar orange juice. Be, I mean, in the cigarette stuff. But why? What's what's the difference? There is well, just because well, I mean, no, I think what's the, the difference? Give me a clear one's a conservative $1 and liberal
3: is such a grossly uh, excessive amount for one cup of hold, orange. Hold juice. On so hold on a second. Hold on a second. What a reasonable hold person on a would second. pay for orange juice. It was in
2: Britain and it was at a hotel. It's not like she went down, like, you know, uh, walking on the street in Hamilton and got a $2, like, look, I mean, look, what, it's expensive when you travel.
3: What you're mentioning here is, like, uh, like I said, it's a bunch of bottles. We don't know how much consumed by whom. 16 bucks for orange juice. Oh. It just strikes the average person is totally absurd. That, that's why she paid such a price. Your and Mr. Harper wasn't uh, going to stand by that because that wasn't part of his brand.
2: How about they all just stop stealing from taxpayers? <laughs> well, that's kind of how you look at it. Uh, religious doctors in Ontario must provide referrals for medici- uh, medically assisted death, otherwise known as assisted suicide. This coming down from an Ontario court, which issued that a uh, decision today. Now, look, religious groups are not going to be happy. There are forty-seven hundred dollars in this, uh, forty-seven hundred doctors in this province, whether they be Jewish, Christian, or Muslim, who now have to. Uh, go against their conscious to supply a referral. They're going to be outraged by this.
3: Well, this decision doesn't bother me, and I'll tell you why it doesn't. I'll distinguish it from... Because you're not uh, religious. Rule, well, let me just, on the rules for same-sex marriage, they decided in uh, when the reference was made to the Supreme Court that uh, rabbis, ministers, or priests, or imams that had objections to same-sex marriage would not, should not, and could not be forced or compelled to marry people against their own conscience. But this is different because we're dealing with the patient. The doctors swear a Hippocratic oath to protect the patient. Yeah, to protect, her, not to kill. Mm-hmm. But no, <laughs> there but you go. The oh. of the person... If the person, the life, liberty, and security of the person, it is, it's from the perspective of the patient. And if a patient is seeking this advice, the doctor doesn't have to sanction it or approve of it. All he or she is being asked to do is to provide a referral, not to provide an opinion, simply to provide a referral. I mean, doctors meet patients all the time who make lifestyle choices that they don't agree with, but their job is to treat them. I understand, you know, that it's a, a fundamental issue of conscience. So I'm not saying it's easy, but I think the court made the right de- decision and And I think this would stand at the Supreme Court.
2: And as a lawyer, really? As a lawyer, really?
3: Okay, Absolutely. well,
0: it's look, a
2: violation of the charter. Well, I think some would look at that. Jill, look, we, we just came off this debate over the summer jobs program where religious groups were being forced to check a box saying that they would check their views on abortion in order to get funding. So I think there are a lot of religious groups in this country right now that are thinking that they're under attack.
0: Yeah, they're feeling persecuted, no doubt. Well, they shouldn't be forced to do anything in that regard. I don't think so. I think that this comes down to a liberty issue, though, uh, in which I just say, why are we involving the doctor at all? If you want to kill yourself, I'm certainly not advocating for suicide, but we need Need to be realistic about it and you should just be able to do what you
2: want with your own body yeah i tend to fall in that line too but I, I i'm comfortable saying to someone you have to do that if it goes against your views i just Personally, I think there are a lot of doctors who are not going to be very happy. We
3: are balancing, I know, and it's a balance of rights. The rights of the doctor to have their beliefs on what is appropriate for end of life versus the rights of the patient. But the doctor has a fiduciary responsibility and obligation to the patient. It's dissimilar. But,
2: okay, let me ask you this as legally speaking, because you know the charter and you know this. Yeah, yeah. If the charter protects someone's religious freedoms, religious, you know, expression, how is it that forcing them to do this could not be ch- uh, ch- challenged at the super- uh, Supreme Court?
3: Very good question. It's what all law students learn about the balance of convenience. It's when you look at balancing the rights, the rights of the doctor and their freedom of conscience and religion versus life, liberty, and security for the patient, the patient will take precedence. That's where the balance will tip.
2: There we go. We get a lesson tonight. Senate <laughs> passing a bill late tonight that renders our national anthem gender neutral. So no longer do we say thy sons. What are we saying? <laughs> In, oh, wait. Oh, what do I have to sing now? Uh, where's the line? Oh in all thy sons command in all of us command. Do you feel safer now? Do you feel better now that we're going to say in all of us?
3: It you know it really doesn't bother me one way or another. Uh, I mean this was a bill that was propounded by the late Muriel Boulanger. and I think you know just to and it, and it had been tried actually under the conservative government before. I would have been fine saying in all thy sons command and I have no problem saying in all of us command. It really doesn't really? rank me one way or the other dumb. and I I'm fine with it.
2: This is virtue signaling to of me. Course and it I'm is. sick of it. Honestly, I'm a woman. I've never even thought of it in all the. <gasps> I'm so offended. They said sons are not women. I but mean, I honestly. Just, I just feel like
0: we're acquiescing I'm once triggered. again to the extreme left and. Why did it have to change at all? It seems like a huge waste of time. Can we really just focus on the things the government should be focusing on? We don't need them to tell us what we can and cannot say, and how we should sing the national anthem and the words that we should be using. How about we focus on our national debt? How about we focus on unemployment? How about we focus on health care? Really important things that we elect officials, uh, government officials for. This is a waste of time.
2: Right, but we also have a federal government that is prancing around the world right now, literally prancing about, you know, women and equality and gender parity and gender gender and gender this and gender that. everything's about feminism today and I quite frankly I'm just exhausted by it
3: well, I mean, I... As they I look mean, at you with evil well, eyes? Well, what I would say is, uh, to <laughs> Jill, I would you. just say, you know, if you're at a, at a sporting event, or the next time you have the chance to sing the national anthem, I'll protect your charter, a uh, section two, uh, right, to say in all thy son's command. Like, look, I, I don't think, I just think as a society, you know, we've moved, you know, society used to be more patriarchal. Only men could vote. And, I mean, sex, I mean, women weren't in the workplace. I think we've made a lot of progress. I understand why... <laughs> this is this not, not an example like social of progress. engineering. This design, is not like being the, the first woman to walk through the front deal. door. Yeah. Yeah. This it's is not about phrase. getting the vote for it's women. It's one phrase. It's, oh. it's, and it was brought up in the conservative government in, uh, before 2015 last time. Yeah, and I, said, and no. I
2: wouldn't agree with that either. I, yeah, I wouldn't by yeah. the way, yeah. And no. we're
0: both women and I could care less about this. But again, it's just another infringement on our value set. Like this is what I think they're trying to erode the the traditionalism in which we we know this country. Like it, it's, it's just it's little tiny. They're taking away certain aspects of what we know.
2: I talking to my mom the good thing my grandfather's gone because he'd be he'd be just rolling in his grave right now anyway thanks guys welcome thank you jeremy and uh, jill joining us here today for our counterpoint here on global news radio